And b- before I start share, I'd like Robin Savage to come up. Robin, what's happening to you in a few days? What's happening? Where are you going? I'm. Uh, I mean, I'm getting floored. You're getting floored. I'm going. Right. I'm moving to Florida. Moving. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Some of you don't know. It's like ah. Okay. So why are you doing that? Uh, there's a lot of backstory. I don't want to go into too much detail. Um, but things changed, and uh, I th- honestly thought more people knew. I, I see Steve with his job. I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> no one told me. Um, just so everyone knows that I have let. I mean, Paul knows. You know. Um, it just apparently rumors don't get around, which is a good thing. It's actually a good thing that rumors don't get around. <laughs> so it's kind of a praise, but uh, I, don't, I don't mean to shock anyone by the news. But anyway, um, yeah, moving to Florida, um, it's a combination of things. Uh, it's stuff that I had been pursuing long term that didn't um, didn't come to fruition. Um, opportunity, change, and it's it had been in my mind off and on for the past three years. So it's not. It's not sudden, you know. It seems like it's a sudden thing. Um, it's not sudden for me. Um, I have great connections down there, and I have a desire to see just more of life and more of, you know, more of the world. And, uh, yeah, so that's that's more or less it. Okay, and you've been a part of this community for a few years, and he's been a, a blessing and contributed lots of theological um, thinking he blessed us with preaching and did a wonderful job about four months ago. You remember that? Anybody remember what a great job he did? So just stand in agreement with me. We're going we're gonna to send him off. He's a part of our family. And you know what? This isn't just an excuse for me to go down to Florida. Yeah. Um, so you might want to think about that too. But, um, Father, we thank you for, for Rob. Lord, we thank you for the call on his life, Father, to be a light and to speak the truth in love, God, to to steward the sword of the Spirit. Thank you for his passion for truth. Thank you for the healing that you've been doing in his heart, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to transition. Lord, I pray that you would um, bless his transition, bless his family connections, and um, establish a community and um, let him connect to a, a church that is very life-giving, that he can just blossom and flourish in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're welcome. <coughs> so I think CJ is going to put a verse up here for us. And I'm going to throw out a question. You don't have to answer it now. The question is, how can the Holy Spirit transform our lives? And I'll, I'll throw out another question is, how can the Holy Spirit transform other people's lives through us? How can the Holy Spirit transform other people's lives through us? Okay, just two questions for you to think but let's read this together all right but moses said to him are you jealous for my sake would that all the lord's people were prophets that the lord would put his spirit on them okay so this is about 3500 years ago right god delivers his people a few million out of bondage out of captivity god is manifesting himself mainly to one guy, Moses, and the Spirit of God comes on him and enables him to do things that you could never do unless the Spirit of God was on you. Is that true? Judging, uh, leadership, how about signs and wonders? Right? He speaks with authority. 
He speaks by the power of God. His words cause creation to shift and alter. His words, inspired by God, bring forth deliverance, right? So that same spirit Moses prayed 3,500 years ago or desired God that all your people would have the same spirit and the same power so they could do the same things to extend and release the kingdom of God into this world. It's a good prayer. Very good prayer. Okay, now we're going to fast forward to Joel. And uh, does anybody remember what Joel prophesied that might pertain to this day? 228, you say? Okay, what does 228 say? Okay. Okay. And he's pointing to a day. He's pointing to a day forward. And it's basically the same kind of thing. Okay? Prophecies connected to it. Pouring out the Spirit on people. In the Old Testament, who did the Holy Spirit come on? The Spirit of God. You maybe want to have three choices that you can pick from. What kinds of people? What kind of roles? Prophets. Yep. Judges, you got it. Kings, prophets, judges, and kings. And most of these people were men with status, with authority. Uh, They weren't slaves. Most of them weren't young. But now Joel is declaring that God's going to do a new thing. All right? Look at this. Sons and daughters. Young people are going to prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And it, it, it talks about even my servants. And, and that's literally referring to slaves. Okay, so I suggest to you that this verse not only is talking about the power of God coming on a community, but it's actually talking about a radical shifting of community. A radical shifting of authority and responsibility that God is starting to level the playing field in humanity amongst his people. Okay? I suggest that that is very offensive and scandalous to suggest that. In the Old Testament, this is a common prayer, for a Jewish male. Thank you, God, for not making me a woman, a slave, or a Gentile. Anybody want to pray that prayer this morning? You don't want to do that? Okay. Well, why would they be praying those prayers? Any thoughts? Maybe because men had power? Maybe because they saw Jews as God's covenant chosen people? Right? So that's kind of a maybe a chauvinistic prayer and maybe not the best prayer in the world. Um, it's, it's in direct contrast to what Joel is declaring by the Spirit of God. And somebody turn to Galatians 3, 26 through 29. 
please, and just read it out loud so we can all hear it. Anybody got it? Thank you. Does that remind you of Joel a little bit? Okay. God is cutting down the walls here. He's cutting down the walls in society. He's again, he's he's shifting the playing field. Now, the reality is, women, do you still give babies? Okay. Um so we don't want to misread this verse. Men and women do have unique roles in families and, and such, so, so forth and so on. But all have equal status in Christ. All have equal value. All can operate and should operate by the same Holy Spirit. Right? And that is a big deal. That is a new way of doing life. It's a new way of doing community. And as Nate mentioned last week, um, God started to raise up, right? He started to raise up the, the status and the authority of women in the New Testament. God does the same with slaves and holy moly, those Gentiles that a lot of the Jews absolutely hated. The Spirit of God doesn't hate them. The Spirit of God wants to break down the walls of racism and classism and make us all one in Christ Jesus. Right? That is the gospel. And that was God's desire from the beginning. In 1906, something big happened. Do you guys know what happened in 1906? Somebody say, Azusa Street. And, and who was the main leader? Was he a whitey or a blackie? He was a black man. He was a black man. And in, in what kind of a, a social climate was, was he anointed and called by God to be a leader of an of a international movement? What was the climate there? Any thoughts on that? Segregated. Segregated. Uh, did blacks and whites worship God together? No, they didn't. Um, did white Christian landowners see that as offensive? And very inappropriate? The answer is yes. William Seymour was the main leader. And he got stirred up by God before this, this happened. And he listened. He could not even go in a church of a, of a prominent um, leader who was seeking after the Spirit of God in the South. He would literally like hang out outside of the church because he wasn't allowed in to hear what was being said. And then he, he pastored a, a, a Negro church. He ends up going to California. He's called. There's some uh, white women that, that see this call on him, and they come together, and they do something that, again, is, is just so offensive to the culture, and they break down the racial barrier, and they worship God together. That sounds like Pentecost. All right? 
You think of the Tower of Babel where the judgment of God comes on the pride of mankind and they are all separated with language and so forth. Well, maybe Pentecost is a reversal of that. Maybe Pentecost is an invitation to come back to racial unity and harmony and have the blessing of the Lord poured out on that. So going back to William Seymour, here he is in California on Azusa Street with these women. There's mixed um, worship of God, which again is a a thousand percent biblical, but totally anti-American to the culture. And it's sad to think that people who love God would hold on to a cultural, ungodly inheritance of whites are better than blacks or whites are superior to any other race um, and we shouldn't worship God with them. It's so sad that their Christianity did not sanctify them in this area to be like, you know what? This cultural norm is horrible and anti-Christian and totally antithetical to the kingdom of God. It's too bad that most, most Christians back in the day didn't get it. So the Spirit of God pours out. Speaking in tongues comes back. And this is an amazing thing. And more people, they're excited. They, they go visit this church. And they get touched by God. White people and black people. And I imagine people from other nations get touched. And it's in its birthing stages. And they experience the love of God in such a unique and powerful way. But then this prominent white leader goes there and he sees this black dude leading, leading white people. And oh, is he offended by that. And so he publicly speaks against it and he sets up camp just a few blocks away. It might be actually a a mile or two away. And he's basically competing with this guy because he thinks what he is doing is wrong. And so out of that movement, you got a split, right? You got the assemblies of God that comes out of that, you, and you have the Church of God in Christ. You have a black Pentecostal movement and a white Pentecostal movement. And it broke the heart of William Seymour. It broke the heart of William Seymour. And you know what? I think it broke the heart of God. Had they stood together in unity, I think it would have been a greater movement than what it was. And it was a great movement. And it's amazing to me to think that God would still work through people who are so prejudiced and so racist. And I also want to say they grew up in that culture. That was their ungodly inheritance. But again, it's a sad thing that they weren't able to overcome the racial barriers. So going back to Pentecost, today is the day of Pentecost. This is when the Jews celebrate the law of Moses being given on Sinai. And that was a good thing, right? Wasn't a good thing to get the law? But the bad thing is, is we with our sinful nature, we can't really fulfill the law. But it's a good thing. And it's good to know God is holy and it's good to know God's standards, right? So Jesus Christ, in Acts 1.8, he says to the young church, he says, Wait until you're endued with power from on high. So they hang out in Jerusalem. Days pass. And something new happens. Right? The tongues of fire are released. And the church is empowered. 
And Peter preaches a sermon that is, in, again, empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's not his reasoning. It's like, oh, I'm reading from Torah and using my own wisdom and my own strength. It's like, no, Peter is preaching with authority and the power of the Holy Spirit like Jesus did. And so people's hearts are getting convicted. Truth is setting them free. And 3,000 souls are saved. Okay, now I'm going back. I'm going back to the, the first question is, how can the Holy Spirit transform other people's lives through me, through you? The Holy Spirit transformed 3,000 people in one day through Peter because Peter yielded to the Holy Spirit. It's pretty powerful. Can, can anybody think of times where you yielded to the Holy Spirit and somebody's life was really transformed? Anybody, can you raise your hand on that one? Okay. Would anybody be willing to maybe give a minute testimony what happened? Anybody? Oh, I see a hand. That's powerful. That's very powerful. Anybody else want to share? Nate's worship this morning. Do you think the Holy Spirit was maybe empowering him to lead worship and his worship buddies this morning? Bob has something? Well, I feel the anointing on that, so we're just going to stand in agreement right now. Father, we bless Pakistan. Father, it's your heart's desire for all the nations to come to you and for there to be an outpouring of the Spirit. And we thank you for Bob and Linda that you put it on their hearts and you've opened this door. Father God, we ask for the Holy Spirit to move, the Holy Spirit to stir, the Holy Spirit to heal, to release identity, to release belonging, to bring people into the body of Christ. Let the word of God, let the gospel go forth in power. Father God, we pray for your spirit to prepare the way for Bob and Linda and for the word that they carry and the authority that they have in the Holy Spirit, Lord. And just just inspire them and work through them in ways beyond what they've ever seen before, Father. We're believing big, God. Your word says that you do immeasurably above all we can ask or think. So we're asking this morning and we're asking in the weeks to come for a greater outpouring, a greater release for the kingdom of God, the manifest presence of God to be released 
in Pakistan and to be released on women, to be released on youth. Father, And we pray for each one of us that we would yield to your Holy Spirit and that we could speak inspired words to bring life and healing. And we could step out in faith and take risks and lay hands on people who are sick, who need to be healed physically and emotionally. In Jesus' name. Power with purpose. Power with purpose. Acts 1.8, Jesus says, you shall be endued with power from on high. So that power isn't to build up my ego, right? It's not to get a big platform ministry so I can maybe exploit people's faith and get millions and get mansions and all that kind of stuff. People do that. Um, We all know of spiritual gifts, probably. And we know that there is a criteria for operating in the spiritual gifts, and that's 1 Corinthians 13. It talks about love being the motive, not greed. Uh, Simon the sorcerer, Paul brought him up a few weeks ago. Or was it even last week, maybe? He had bad motives. He wanted power for the wrong reason. I pray God would bring me to a place where I have nothing to prove, where I'm so satisfied in the Lord, where I'm so filled with love that I would have no agenda and no mixed motives. If I prophesy over somebody, if I lay hands on somebody, because if I'm at that place, then I can really bear fruit for eternity. You know what? Who cares? if I have a million bucks in this world or not. You know, really? Because there's a true treasure that's everlasting. And all that money is going to perish. Right? And praise Lord if he, he wants to bless us financially. But I am into bigger blessings than money. And I want to release bigger blessings than, than money into other people's lives. Right? And that is a heart of God. That is a heart of God through us. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 5, talks about the Holy Spirit enables everybody in the body of Christ to operate in different giftings. So in other words, there's not a person here, if you're a Christian, if you're in Christ, you got gifts. you got gifts that are supernatural, that are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And some of them might be latent because maybe you weren't taught on the gifts of the Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians 14, 1 The Apostle Paul is saying to the church, to the Corinthians, and it applies to all of us, to the church universal, eagerly desire the greater gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Because prophecy builds people up. It edifies the church. And all of the gifts are meant for edification and building up of the body of Christ. And speaking in tongues is one that is self-edifying. You know what? That's good, too. But it's even better if there is an interpreter. We speak in tongues and somebody interprets it and then the body of Christ is edified. Anybody here have the gift of prophecy? Would you say? Maybe just throw out some of the gifts that you have. Just throw throw out. Just tell me. What do you operate in? Faith? I heard something. Where's the knowledge? Tongues, okay. Encouragement. 
Well, we'll leave it at that. Um, are there people who would like to operate in spiritual gifts who maybe aren't operating in spiritual gifts? Okay, there are. Okay, and for years I had seen people operating in prophecy. I'm like, holy moly, this is something. Like it stirred my heart and I couldn't do it. At least I thought I couldn't do it. And then I meet this guy who's very prophetic. He's like, you're already hearing from God. You just don't know it. And sometimes the way we like compartmentalize things, the way we think they should work and move is, is like totally our thinking and not the word of God. It's not, it's not true to reality. Okay. Um, I'll give you a, a case in point. Yesterday, a friend of mine that I knew since college, um, he called me, and I really don't talk to him much anymore. He lives in close to Wilmer, and he happens to be a president of a company. He's got a lot of money, a lot of influence. And um, he shared with me that his wife's sister was going to get, like, double bypass surgery, and she's 42. I'm like, well, that's pretty young for for her. And, and he's never experienced, like, prophetic stuff as far as I know. He's an evangelical reformed Christian. Well, I felt just a, a nudge to to say, you know what? Could I pray for her right now? He's like, yeah. And so I just started praying. I took a leap of faith. I didn't have the words. I didn't have the revelation. But I felt God wanted me to take a, a just a step out in faith and pray for somebody. And that's not hard. That is not hard at all. Well, as I did, I just started blessing Trevor, and I, I started, um, I started getting revelation about this this woman and actually the the entire family. And the Lord showed me that there, is, there are these systems that the family grew up in. There's a lot of pressure, a lot of performance, a lot of, like, insecurity. And they're very talented, very high-functioning. And they were able to, like, um, well, to say measure up to their really high standards based on their performance. And it was very constricting. And it went on from generation to generation. I said, it's on the mom's side of the family where this has really gone down the line. And he's like, you know what, Bob, you're spot on with this. Okay, that stuff I couldn't know by natural means. And I, we prayed that this would be an opportunity because now there's a real crisis because of this unhealthy pattern of living and performance and conditional love. We pray that it will be an opportunity for God to bring a breaking. Okay, so in all reality, because I took a step out in faith and I started to prophesy and then his faith got stirred, I think it opened his heart to have more faith in God and very well might be a conduit that will bring liberation in this family. That's a big deal. Okay? And I just stepped on in faith. I did not hear, like, an audible word from God. My heart was touched. I had to start having, like, senses in my mind. It's almost like a picture was forming before me. So um, operating in the, the gifts of the Spirit really is a leap of faith. And we can make mistakes, and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, amen, yeah. So I, I believe if you have a, a desire for a spiritual gift, that God will give it to you. 
And I think it's biblical for me to say that. Okay, and again, you may have spiritual gifts, you don't even know you have them. Mm-hmm. Now, a little bit about the Holy Spirit. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're the same God, but they each have three distinct personalities and roles in the lives of believers. Jesus said that he must depart in order that the Spirit might come. So each one of us has the Holy Spirit who relates to us in an intimate and personal way. If you want to learn more about that, read Romans 8. Romans 8 talks about the mind being led by the Holy Spirit as life and peace. Now, if I'm lacking life and peace in my thought life, you know what? I can invite the Holy Spirit to lead my mind every day. I can invite the presence of the living God to give me peace. The Bible says sons of God are led by the Spirit of God, and that's not just gender. We're talking authority, position. You're in Christ. You have sonship authority, sonship position and blessing and status, which is a big deal if, if you understand the Old Testament uh, rights of sons. So this isn't just for prophetic people. This is for everybody. The Holy Spirit is for everybody. To be led by the Holy Spirit is for every Christian. Every Christian. We can and should hear from the Holy Spirit. Now the question is, how do we cultivate that? How do we cultivate being led by the Holy Spirit every day? Any any thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Amen. The Holy Spirit is always present and able and willing to help us through any crisis or give us direction, to encourage us. Like he's available 24-7. And he's a person and he really cares about each one of us. So we have access to God all the time. Um... I regularly invite God. I'm, I'm regularly conscious of God throughout my day. And I'm not like some religious, so oh, i got to pray and I'm all serious about it. No. Like Jesus, when he was walking in the world, he was very normal and he was very casual. And um, the disciples even criticized him. Why don't you go here now? Why are you doing this? You know, it's like, it's like he always maintained this peace. He was led by the Holy Spirit who wasn't demanding, who wasn't... Uh, didn't lead Jesus into striving. Were there times where Jesus prayed all night? Sure. Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit. He's operating in this peace that's supernatural. And people who are very scared are very comfortable being around him. Okay, they're broken. Uh, They are attracted to him. The prostitutes are attracted to him because of his heart. Because there's so much peace. So there's a big difference between a person who's normal and not weird and led by the Holy Spirit and somebody who's uber-religious and scares the crap out of people. Um, The Pharisees were uber-religious, and they did not have the Spirit of God. But externally, 
um, they were doing, quote unquote, the right things. But Jesus said, you know, your hearts are like whitewashed tombs. That's not a compliment. Um, in your heart is full of dead man's bones. So here's what I, I'm suggesting. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And we don't have to be any other than, than who God has called us to be. We don't have to, like, measure up to Paul Anderson or whoever your spiritual hero is to be some uber super Christian. God meets us as we are in our humanity, in our brokenness, in our personality. And he wants to bring us into our true identity and lead us in our own unique path with God into our destiny. So there's really nothing hard about it. There's everything liberating about it. I don't have to measure up to somebody else. And I like the sound of that. Holy Spirit engages my mind. Holy Spirit engages my heart. If I feel like a, a, a love for somebody, like stirring up inside of me, and I wasn't like thinking of them consciously, maybe that's because the Holy Spirit is doing something inside of me. Maybe the Spirit of God wants me to pray for them or give them a call. Maybe I'm walking um, at my place of work, and all of a sudden I just get like a, a nudge, like uh, got to highlight somebody, and it's very, it's it's kind of subjective, and it's like an impression, a gut feeling. Maybe God just wants me to go over there and have a conversation. Maybe there's a divine appointment. So, what I'm suggesting is being led by the Holy Spirit is very natural, and the more sensitive we are to our hearts and to what's going on in our minds, the more self-aware we are. I think the more easily will be led by the Holy Spirit. Are you okay with what I'm saying? Is this biblical? Okay, good, good. That's good, Bob. A little Paul Anderson impersonation for you. Okay, CJ liked that one. Romans 8.26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Romans 8.15 through 16, the Spirit is sonship. The Spirit testifies with our spirit. I think the more at peace I am, the more I can hear from the Holy Spirit, the more I can be led by the Holy Spirit. The, the kingdom of God uh, it, it consists of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Right? And do I call on the name of the Lord? Do I pray intensely at times? The answer is yes. But there's a difference between striving and going after God in the flesh, ministering to somebody, God, to, uh, somebody uh, like, like about God, through my soul or my own strength and yielding to the Holy Spirit in a peaceful way. And at times, again, it might be intense. There's a big difference. Um, I don't want to drum anything up. I don't want to be all hypey and blah, blah, blah. I was blessed by what Tim did because I felt that was genuine from his heart. And there was good fruit that came out of that. But I think there's a lot that passes for Holy Spirit-inspired ministry or manifestation. It's just a lot of flesh. And it doesn't bear good fruit. So now, 2 Timothy 1.6 says, Fan into flame the gifts of God. Paul says it to Timothy. And I, again, I suggest that every one of us has spiritual gifts, whether we know them or not. And there are times when the Lord releases grace for certain things to happen and to be released from heaven into our lives. 
And I believe now is one of those times. And I'm especially feeling like the Lord wants to release revelatory gifts. And for those who don't have, I think he wants to release. And for those who, um, those who have but want more, I think he wants to release. And I also believe a discernment of spirits gift for those who want that. So we're going to respond to God this morning. And I'm going to encourage you to stand up if you want to receive. And just a picture I have is like literally putting your hands out and asking the Lord to give a good gift this morning. And it could be any spiritual gift. You don't even have to share it. But um, we're just going to lead us in a prayer. And anybody else who wants to continue on in this prayer, we're just going to believe for, for the Lord to bless us this morning. Father, we thank you. Your word says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, that you've endured us with power from on high. Father, we thank you that we can continually be filled with your spirit, that you equip us. You equip us, Lord, for the good works that you've called us to do from before the foundation of the world. And many of these good works, we need your spirit to accomplish them. To bear eternal fruit, we need your spirit. And to do these things in the, in the right spirit, we need the spirit for the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We need it. So now in Jesus' name, Father God, for those who are eagerly desiring spiritual gifts, Father, we ask especially for gifts of prophecy to be released this morning. We ask for gifts of discernment of spirits to be released in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, gifts of faith, interpretation of tongues, speaking in tongues. Father God, we pray for the joy of the Lord to be released to be released in Jesus' name, that you'd wash away shame, you'd wash away false identity, Father. Just thank you that it's a new day. We have a clean slate. Father, I pray that you would heal hearts and restore hearts so that we could be connected with you, so your love could flow through us, so that you could bring us joy. Thank you, Father God. Just let it come, let it increase, and I just encourage anybody to continue on in this prayer for us this morning. Yes, thank you, Lord. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Jesus reigns in this place. Showers of mercy and grace falling on every face. There is freedom. Lift your eyes to Jesus. There is freedom. 
lift your eyes to Jesus. There is freedom. Freedom reigns in this place. Showers of mercy and grace falling on every face. There is freedom. Father, we just ask for the continued outflowing of your love in our hearts this morning. And as we prepare to take communion, as we celebrate your death, your shedding of your, your blood and breaking of your body, for our healing, for our sins, for our reconciliation with God, and for our empowerment, and for our, our union with one another in union with you. We just give you thanks in Jesus' name. And as the, uh, you can sit down for a moment, as the elements are being prepared, um, Nick, if you'd get those, are we doing that up here or passing them out? Okay. Um, just a, just a word about communion. You know, we're so used to this body and or bread and wine thing, um, but I'm not sure we really understand the significance behind those symbols. But the disciples did. So when Jesus broke bread on that day before he died, he did so knowing that they understood the significance of that, that it was a sacrifice of breaking. And, and shedding blood. And, and in, the, in the old priests, they used to break apart the animals so that they put, they'd lay that on side to side and they'd walk between the pieces to take on the, the, the sin that that, that, would, was that, that 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 animal was broken for. And, and the same with the blood. Blood had to have been shed in order to forgive the Israelites of long ago. And, and the, the disciples sat in that room, and they understood what Jesus was saying. So as we break this bread, and I would encourage you, when you get this, as, as it's passed to you, break it yourself. Just as a, as a symbol, break this bread and understand that this symbolizes not only Christ's broken body, but it symbolizes us as being all a part of that body. All these broken pieces. This is great bread because it crumbles in your hand. It's it's like all these all these pieces. And when you get that little cup of grape juice, understand that it's it's symbolic of blood having been shed for us. It's the, the two of those are symbolic of us opening ourselves up. Jesus said, when you do this, do it in memory of me. He didn't mean that we were just supposed to sit here and say, oh, yeah, good old Jesus. He was a great guy. Remember Jesus? He was cool. He was talking about what Bob was talking about, the identity of Christ in us which means that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what he wants us to remember. So as, as you come up here to get this bread, break it yourself. Stick it in your mouth and then, and then grab that, 
grab that little thing of grape juice and drink that, understanding that it's symbolic of the wine, and remember who lives in you and the power of the Holy Spirit that is in you. In Jesus' name, come forward. So if you haven't already, take and eat. And likewise, take and drink. Father God, we just thank you for this ongoing symbol of the sacrifice of your son. But we thank you even more for what it symbolizes. It symbolizes our freedom. It symbolizes our living in the Holy Spirit and in the power of the Spirit. And so today, we take on this challenge. We take on this challenge to change people's lives through your Holy Spirit and the gifts that you have. We take on this challenge to live daily in the Holy Spirit, allowing him to build us up. Amen. So now that we are full of the Holy Spirit, let's fan into flame the gifts the Lord has given us. And I'm not saying you have to do this, but I think it would be a really good thing if you did, and even if it was maybe uncomfortable to you. 
I would like us to prophesy over each other. And everybody can bless. We can all use the word of God to bless each other. So if I say to Robin Savage, you are loved by God. You are chosen by God. God has good plans for you. He's looking upon you with favor and looking upon you with grace. Okay? I can feel the power of the Spirit on that. And you know what? I'm just declaring the word of God. I'm declaring the word of God into his life, into his heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's edifying him. And we can all do that to each other. Right? So here's what I'm going to challenge that we do this morning that we turn to our neighbor everybody choose one person you can do more and we look into each other's eyes and we speak a blessing a biblical blessing and just maybe God will start to give you some revelation that is unique and specific for that person and you'll start to move into prophecy is that okay okay so please please find a, a blessing buddy and let's do this. I'm going to give you the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.